You're tuned into KRCU, and I'm here with Dr. Sven Svensson. He's professor of agriculture here at Southeast Missouri State. Sven, welcome to the studios. Hi, thank you. <laughs> we want to talk to you about uh, this new, uh, I guess, degree about horticulture and cannabis. So tell us about it, how it came to be. I understand maybe some students suggested this or were kind of behind that. Yeah, right? so it, it goes back to the federal farm bill, uh, okay. 2014 farm bill. That's when the United States gave universities permission to start doing research again on the cannabis plant, but that was restricted to the cannabis plant defined as hemp. Okay. That definition is it contains less than 0.3% THC. So this is a, a version of the plant that can't let you um, do recreational use of the, okay. of, the, of the product. So with that, um, as the company started working on those sorts of things, some of our students started getting hired in that area for employment, and those okay. were our agribusiness horticulture majors. Those were the students that started asking. It's like, okay, if, if we're getting offered these jobs, it would be helpful if we had more training in that area. Okay. So we started investigating it at that time. Uh, so you're dealing with a plant that kind of has some research permission, but everything else is, for the most part, still illegal. Uh, I made some inquiries and was essentially told by the administration, if it's illegal, it's illegal. Let's not go down this road at this time. Okay. 2018 Farm Bill comes around, legalizes it. But it's still with that same definition of it has to be 0.3% THC or less. At that point, the farmers could start to grow it as well. And it became a legal crop. But they, they have to test their crop before they harvest it, and it has to test below 0.3% THC. Okay, so I don't understand how this works. So is it a, is a special breed of the plant? That's that... exactly right. So, uh, for example, you're used to eating like broccoli, cauliflower, kale, Brussels yeah. sprouts. That's all the same plant. All those are different vegetables. They're kind of designed for different uses in terms of the way we eat them, but it's all the same plant species. Uh, cannabis has various types and various forms. Um, mm. Some of those forms have been bred for medicinal purposes, okay. some for recreational purposes. Others don't have the, the cannabinoids in them that are useful for those types of things. And the plant is otherwise useful for many other things, and that's what we call industrial hemp. And the, the government settled on the definition that what industrial hemp is is, is that cannabis sativa plant that has less than 0.3% THC. So that's all we're allowed to teach. That's all we're allowed to use. What are some uses for hemp? What are some of the things it's used for? Well, the industry likes to use its fanciest bud, buzzword. And, and while it's, it's generally true, the statement is simple. If it's made out of plastic, we can make it out of hemp. The difference is plastic is not degradable. Often it floats around in the ocean for, some people say, 50,000 years. Maybe oh it's less, probably, probably far less than that. But yeah. um, we can make it biodegradable, compostable. So if you think of anything from you know, the plastic forks and spoons and plates you use at picnics, parts of your car, um, even parts of uh, the plastic parts that are in computers, um, all those sorts of things that are made out of plastic, we can make it out of hemp, which makes it biodegradable. So the students see that, and they, they look at issues like global warming because, okay, the plastics we're using, that comes from petroleum oil. We pumped it out of the ground. Right. It, that ends up eventually, if they burn it or incinerate it, it ends up as CO2 in the atmosphere. When we can grow it as a plant and grow all we need uh, and the plastic is biodegradable, it ends up as a, a, a carbon net zero. It takes carbon out of the atmosphere and still provides us the products that we need to use. Are there any, so, dra are there any drawbacks to it? Um, I, we're always looking for the tailpipe to this. Um, everything has a tailpipe. I'm assuming everything mm. has a negative, uh, negative yeah. uh, unintended consequence. 
And for the, the cannabis for the growers right now is occasionally some of those plants will do as they say, go hot. It'll test above 0.3% THC and they have to destroy the crop at the farmer's expense. So for a farmer, that's a risky crop to grow. We are busy breeding, trying to breed plants and versions that don't do that anymore to make it a safer crop for them. Um, the, the other piece that um, it's, hard to, it's hard to pin it down in terms of the negatives. You're growing a crop that c- produces the products that you need to produce. In fact, it produces a fiber that's stronger than uh, most metals that we use for strength. So if we made like door panels for cars out of hemp, it's stronger than the metal, the sheet metal that they might otherwise use. And probably lighter uh, too. And lighter weight, so it makes the cars more fuel efficient. We, oh, by the way, we can also make the fuel out of hemp as well. Really? So we could grow, yeah, we are, we, they're doing that with corn. So you have ethanol, yeah. uh, you have ethanol supplemented gasoline. Uh, we, can, we can grow you straight, uh, you know, straight ethanol fuels right from the, from the hemp as well. Um, it has a lot of different uses. Um, somebody said like 50,000 different uses have already been documented. And they're all biodegradable. That's the nice thing about it. Uh, when the plant gets harvested, the roots stay in the ground, which sequesters carbon permanently. Um, we can make things out of it like paper. Uh, the interesting piece to the class that I teach is the history of that. A lot of the written documents that we have that are more than several hundred years old, they're written on hemp paper because hemp paper is more durable in terms of, uh, of its long-term lasting capacity than the paper that we currently use today. So if it had been written on modern paper, we wouldn't see it. It would have decomposed already. Uh, but we have a lot of those other things. Like they, they mentioned old things like the old Gutenberg Bible that's written on hemp paper and the Magna Carta was yeah. originally written on hemp paper. So uh, a lot of uh, what we know of from our written history, some of that wasn't written on clay tablets. It was actually written on hemp paper. Uh, and... So there's another use of it. And so then the students think about that, and we talk about it in class. It's like, okay, so we could do six acres of a forest that takes 60 years to grow and make paper out of that, or we can, we can grow six acres of hemp and do that every summer. What is better for the environment? Why don't we leave the forest alone, leave the trees alone, and we'll just make the paper out of hemp? We can make just as much, only we can do it 10 times faster uh, with the hemp product. So there's a lot of these plays wow. where, you know, I can, I can sing the, the advantage of, of it all the day long, and I right. think that your question's correct. What are the negative side effects of this? Um, I, I think we don't know yet because the plant is not to the point where it's large culture, like all of the soybean fields and all of the corn fields, and it starts to create a large monoculture, and then that starts to create problems where you get insect pests or disease problems and those sorts of mm-hmm. things that come in on the plant because there are so many of them. We're not growing it to that scale yet. And I think at that point in time, we might start to run into what the, what the surprise problems might be. So if a farmer grows, grows hemp and it goes above that 0.3%, they mm-hmm. have to destroy it. Yes. I guess they can't, it can't be used then as recreational or so, so no. because, of it, because of it. it's illegal. So they that, can't, so yeah, it's just a loss. The second it becomes illegal, they have to destroy it's it. A loss. It's just a yes. loss right then. Yeah. So that's different than, well, I guess the best parallel to me would be a farmer that grew a crop on speculation harvested the crop and had nobody to buy it. Okay. You know, sooner or later it spoils and you just have to destroy it. Only for us, you know, that becomes, you know, as I understand it, that becomes a government restriction that they have a certain number, a certain time window in which they have to destroy it and somebody will come back to check that they actually did. Mm-hmm. So this is a fairly new degree here. This is 
not a lot of universities have this sort of option like what we have here, right? Yeah, so what we did is we had our agribusiness horticulture option, and a lot of the horticulture majors were being employed in the the cannabis industries and the hemp industries, about 50% by the year 2019. About half of our graduates were getting employed in that area. And you ask them why, and they say, well, the pay is so good. Um, uh, Bachelor's degree starting pay, uh, 60,000 plus, 70,000 plus uh, per year. So that's good pay. Yeah. And I understand. So it's like, yeah, I can get that student loan paid off. And then when I'm when I buy my house, then I can go back and work at the golf course if I want to do that or something like that for less money. Uh, so that was the, the first push to that. Um, th- then it's the horticulture majors that are getting hired that way. The cannabis industry, were also, they were also hiring PhDs in chemistry if they were looking at CBD for medicinal uses. They were hiring uh, PhDs in business. To, to run the business side of their company. And then they were hiring uh, essentially master's degrees and PhD students to be the growers of their crops. And so they're hiring advanced degree people at a high rate. Hmm. Um, I realize that as the industry gets bigger and starts to normalize a little bit, they're not going to be able to afford to, to do that. So we took our agribusiness horticulture major and we tacked on what was needed for the cannabis industries. So the major's been renamed. It's now Agribusiness, Horticulture, and Cannabis. And so we still have the standard horticulture major if that's what students want. Or if they choose, they can choose a different sequence of classes that will train them also on the chemistry side. So you end up with a student that is familiar with agribusiness, familiar with horticulture, familiar with cannabis, um, and, is, and is also familiar with the chemistry side of cannabis. So that in a way, it's kind of like either four majors or four minors put together into a major. <laughs> yeah. But it, it meets the hemp industry's needs because they need expertise in chemistry, expertise in business, expertise in horticulture, and how to link all those together. And that's the major that we've created. To my knowledge, that does not exist anywhere. It exists at SEMO as a major, mm-hmm. but such a major does not exist anyplace else. Do you see the growth potential of this to be large? I, I think the folks that are in the hemp industry are excited, and they, they probably project the growth to be faster than it actually will be. Mm-hmm. The government will probably hamstring it a bit and slow it down. But, yeah, over the next 10 years, I think the employment will more than triple uh, in terms of what's available there now. Uh, right now, it is the, the, the largest expansion of employment in the country right now is in the cannabis sector. So things that are nearby are like uh, solar power, engineering uh, applications that employs a lot of people nursing still employs a lot of people mm-hmm. um, those are the ones that it would be competitive with but through the pandemic so since 2019 uh, 2019 2021 the largest employment sector that was expanding into new jobs was the cannabis sector every time a state goes legal or a state legalizes medical or the state legalizes uh, industrial hemp uh, you know, several thousand jobs are created. And right now we're still at about maybe 23 states that have gone fully legal, and then about another 10 or so that are industrial hemp like the state of Missouri is. Um, as more states continue to approve additional uses of the cannabis plant, uh, more jobs will become available. So the, the upside of this, at least for the foreseeable perhaps decade or more, um, is quite quite good for anybody with the, the majors that are employable in that area. So since cannabis is viewed by law as illegal be, when it gets above that 0.3%, yes. why is it why is understanding this important for folks? Because cannabis, when you hear when people hear that, it has a negative connotation yes. in a lot of cases. Why is that, it important they understand it goes beyond that? 
Um, well, what you're getting back to is the history of, you know, the old Reefer Madness movie and the Reefer Madness movement from the 1930s. So they spent a lot of work in the 1930s uh, making making cannabis sativa look like a bad plant. And they were linking it to cocaine and and opioids and all of those sorts mm-hmm. of things that were what that they were understanding at the time people were having addiction problems. Right. And they just kind of lumped it in with that at the, at the same time. Um, most most research since then is is kind of you know it's like this is not near the addictive problem that these other things are but there will still be people who for it will be and, right and and that so that caution is still justified uh, uh, but let let's let's understand that the cannabis plant depending on how you bred it can produce a lot of different products that you might need most of what we're doing for industrial hemp is we're after fibers and what they call herds which is the the pith that's in the center of the stem, and we make mm-hmm. things out of it like uh, a product that's very similar to concrete. They call it hempcrete. So we can make like the concrete blocks that they use to build buildings with. A lot of SEMO campus has those. Every one of those could be made out of hempcrete. It contains a lot of carbon, so it sequesters carbon in the building, um, and it would do so permanently as long as the building exists. Um, and those concrete blocks are actually stronger than the traditional concrete blocks that we actually use. Um, so it's a better building, and it sequesters carbon as you build it. It sequesters carbon as you grow the plants that you're going to use to build it with, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so this is where the, the, the environmental side of it is extremely beneficial uh, in a lot of different ways. Do you think a lot of people don't realize that? Yeah, I, I don't think people know all those alternative uses out there. That's why they like the phrase, anything made out of plastic can be made out of hemp. And when they realize how bad plastic is, that, that touches that, that awareness side of, so we have a biodegradable option, why aren't we using it? Well, it's because the other side of the hemp plant has its negative side as well. So we, we need to get the definition. So some people are settling on, we call it pot or marijuana when it has more than 0.3% THC. Mm-hmm. When it has less than 0.3% THC, we call it hemp. And that's kind of like the difference between cauliflower and broccoli and cabbage and kale, when those are all the same plant, but... They have different names. Very interesting. Uh, so research continues on this, and I read that the class has to – you have to adapt because there's always new data to come in where yes. you have to sort of change. It's, it's probably it, uh, the most difficult class I've had to teach on a regular basis. I teach it once a year right now, and for the students, it works as a social and behavioral sciences general education credit. Um, and that's because of the history of the plant. Um, we spend a lot of time on the connection between cannabis sativa and humans throughout human culture. We go back 10,000 years. And pretty much any time they dig up something in an archaeological dig and they find an urn and it has some plant material in there, guess what's in there? Yeah. They'll find traces of cannabis. cannabis so as food. far as we know, any human culture worldwide um, has been connected to this plant all the way dating back to 10,000 years or more. And that, so my question, you know, when I learned that, it's like, well, why is that? Why has this plant always been connected to people? Is it just because of the recreational uses? Well, 10,000 years ago, it didn't really have a lot of THC in it. So there really wouldn't have been an opportunity to use it on a recreational basis. They were using it for food. They were using it for the fibers to make their clothing, to make canvas, to make uh, roofs, shelter, yeah. those sorts of things. Um, and again, primarily as a food, as a grain. They were using it as a grain to consume. And it was fairly easy to store the seeds for a, for a, a non-grow cycle and just take it wherever you need it and, and grow some more. So that's part of the class, but that part is the easy part to teach because that's the history the side history. and that's not changing so much. 
What's changing fast is the regulations that come out from the government and the uses. Um, as more people are getting back and relearning what we used to make, uh, uh, use hemp to make with modern technologies and mo- modern uh, instruments, we can make all those old things, but we can make them much better than they used to do. So as a result, uh, if you thought about like clothing made out of hemp, which say Levi's jeans, uh, back during the gold rush era, uh, when Levi's first started making them, yeah. they were all made out of hemp. It was all hemp material that it was made out of. So now it's mostly made out of cotton. So if we could start to supply enough hemp, and they've already told us, well, we'd probably use a blend now, the cotton to soften it, but the hemp to make it more durable. Um, and so they already have a, a history within their company. They kind of know how to use it, hmm. um, but it hasn't been legal to do so in the past. Now, as it becomes legal again, the interest expands. And, and so, uh, again, I can ramble on this for a long time, but, but because the uses are constantly changing, the regulations are constantly changing, uh, every time I teach the class, I have to go back and say, well, well, what are the rules now? The rules are different than they were a year ago. And even for a farmer or uh, an industrial buyer that might want to use the fibers, those sorts of things, they have the same issues where the rules are changing on, on a routine basis. And so you almost have to have a person in your business that's always watching the changes and keeping you current. Hmm. Something you said piqued my interest. You said 10,000 years ago they weren't yes. really using it. When did it start become becoming where they started using the, the THC got introduced into it and became? The first record of that comes from China. And um, there's a lot of ways to pronounce that name, and I've seen it spelled a lot of different ways. But it's about 3,000 years ago, about one to 2,000 um, what they'll call BC. And that's a written record of a medicinal use. But there's a warning in the medicinal use. So he's, he's, he's telling you, use it this way for pain relief, to help with uh, sleep deprivation, those sorts of things. And then there's a notation on the bottom, oh, be careful not to overuse it because it can cause, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he went into some descriptions of what you and I would describe as a trip. Okay. Uh, so he was warning uh, either, you know, ag- ag- against, you know, an overuse of, of that product. He didn't understand what THC was at the time. Right. But he did have enough to record that some plants, you have to, you have to like select the plants carefully to have medicinal power, because if you don't select the plants carefully, it won't work. So he was intuitively aware that there was a difference between what we now call marijuana and Mm. what we now call industrial hemp. Even 3,000 years ago, he wasn't calling it those two things, but he was intuitively aware that there are two different types of the plant out there. Interesting. So Mm -hmm. if you you had a crystal ball and you looked into the future, do you you see down the road where hemp becomes more widely used in different things in production, manufacturing? I'm, I'm hopeful. And I'm hopeful be, simply because of the environmental benefits. Uh, it's, a, it's a plant that you can grow uh, to make so many different products, which means other things like a lot of the forest that we currently harvest for paper, that's unnecessary. We can make a better quality paper out of hemp, and we can grow the same amount of material to make that paper and not have to cut down the forest. And the forest, by saving the forest, then that has an impact on issues like climate change and global warming. Um, the plant itself, as we grow it, as farmers are growing it, it, it has a net negative CO2 effect. So it's actually helping us take carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. And then the products that we use keeps that carbon, di- that carbon tied up in the products that we're using uh, so it doesn't get ter- returned back into the atmosphere very fast. 
And then by making those products out of hemp, we don't have to pump crude oil from below ground and then process crude oil into plastics because we will just grow more plants to grow more plastics if we need those. So the crude oil can stay in the ground where we need it. Uh, perhaps we might need it in the future. But it, you know, that way you're dealing with a easily, readily renewable resource instead of the finite uh, resource that crude oil might be. So you, you talk about old issues like peak oil, the concept of peak oil, where we might reach the point where we've used it all. What do we do then? My thought there is, well, we can conserve what we have uh, for any future use that might be necessary because we have a different way of making all of these products now, including the fuel. Uh, we don't really need to do it that way. So what it comes down to now is economics. What does it cost? And if we can get the hemp production up to where enough farmers are producing it, it becomes cost competitive. Dr. Sven Vinson, fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you. Enjoyable. We've been going public with Dr. Sven Svensson, professor of agriculture at Southeast Missouri State University. To hear more interviews, visit krcu.org.